0: Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to munciefirstchurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, munciefirstchurch.com. Let's jump into the teaching from this last week. What a great day. I am just uh, excited about today, feel like God is doing some good things in our church. Good to see everybody here. If this is your first time, welcome. We're glad that you decided to come and to join us today, and we hope that uh, everything works out and that you really uh, receive a blessing from the Lord. I want to pray with you right now. Father, I'm just asking for you to do your thing in our midst right now. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you And that we can uh, seek you out and that when we come to you, Lord, you're there. We don't have to look far. I'm thankful today, Lord, that that you love us and that you are looking on us as your children right now. You are pleased that we gathered. This is your command that we get together and that we worship and that we talk about you. And that's what we're getting ready to do, some more. And I thank you, Lord, for the music that we sang today. My heart was encouraged by that. Lord, I am just blessed by what you're doing in our church. I thank you for each person. Lord, I know that they could do anything they wanted to this morning. No one is, is forced to be here except for maybe a few children. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless the adults that are here today. Just bless them. May they just sense your presence. And I pray that you'd be with Keith and Debbie and the children. Lord, they are learning some great things. And Lord, I was blessed this morning when I was teaching my boys in Sunday school. Lord, it was awesome. They were so into what we were doing and it just blessed me thank you lord for mornings like that and lord today i just pray for brady and mindy their way because of brady's uncle being sick i pray for them i pray for their uh safety i pray lord that you would just be with the uncle and and touch and be with the family lord use brady to be a a a light to those who don't know you and and just bless their family this morning lord thank you for the trejo's Lord, as we look forward to the days ahead and the ministry that they'll have here, Lord, I can only imagine the great things you're planning. And we can't wait to see what you're going to do. Lord, pour out your blessings upon them over and over. Lord, may there just be a flood of blessing uh, for them and for those who work with them. We're excited about what you want to do. We're excited about you, Lord. You are so good. And we just give you praise today. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Well, I'd take your Bibles and follow along. I'm not going to give you a specific scripture right now, but I'll be giving you some references and, and you can look it up if you want to. It's not going to be on the board today. We kind of messed up. I sent something I thought and, and uh, the, the people that receive it didn't necessarily receive it. And so it's, it's just a mess up, but it'll be all right. You got Bibles or you got your phones or you got your iPads and it's all on there and you can follow along with me. We're talking about the little sins in our lives. And last week we talked about our words. And how we use our words sometimes inappropriately and we gossip and we say things that are hurtful and we we, we hurt each other with our words. And and uh, we're still talking about words today because I'm going to look at what it means to lie, lying and, and the damage that that does in our lives. There's probably nothing worse than having someone lie to you. I can think of a few things, but it, it would it would take a lot for me to find something worse than someone who lied to you. I remember I had a a trusted friend, someone that I really looked up to, someone who meant so much to me. And he called me up one day and he said, hey, would you meet me? And I did. And he was selling something by that point and it's some insurance and stuff. And he asked me to buy and I told him I didn't have it. And he said, look, just let me help you out with some things. And he made me a deal that he said that this would all work out a certain way. And then, you know, he didn't do what he said he would do. And he left me with the bill and I had to really work to get out of the situation. He had lied to me. And, And I felt like I couldn't trust him anymore. Uh, it ended up costing me money. It, costed, it cost me more than that. It cost that friendship in many ways. I have to regret to say that I have been one who lied about something in my life before. It, it seemed like a small matter and, and it just made the situation seem like it would be easier if I lied than to not lie. I could get out of whatever the situation was. And I did that and it broke trust and it caused great harm. And I had to do everything I could to make it right, but i got to be honest, it broke trust. It made things difficult. and It's wrong. It's sin. That's just plain what it is. And we have to stop with the lies and the non-truth telling. And this morning I want to look at why lying or deceitfulness always traps us, why it's wrong, why it devastates our lives, and why it ruins our relationships and why it always leads to death. Abraham Lincoln once said, reputation is the shadow, but character is is the tree i believe that's true the shadow is our reputation but the character is the tree that casts the shadow lying is one of those sins that seems so small and it seems so insignificant that it doesn't really seem to matter i mean what's wrong with one little white lie and it seems like everyone is doing it and you know that's not something new i was looking in the psalms this week and i came across this psalm in psalm 12 david said everyone lies to his neighbor so psalm In the Psalms, David's already pointing out that lying is a problem in Israel. Lying, it just seems like no big deal. But our lies trap us and they break our relationships and they stop us from living in the freedom and the abundance that God wants for us. I think probably more devastation, more hurt has come from being dishonest as probably almost anything else we do. So I want to ask you a question. Who are you really? Who are you really? When you look inside yourself, when you look at yourself in light of what I'm talking about, when you look in yourself in light of your honesty or lack of honesty, your character, who are you really? And and you know what? I'm not asking you to tell me out loud, so be honest with yourself because you know what? God already knows. You're not hiding it from Him. Bill Highballs wrote a a book. He was pastor of, of Willow Creek Church and he wrote a book called Who You Are When No One Is Looking. And uh, he defined character as that very thing, who you are, how you act, and how you live your life when no one else is paying attention. Who are you really? Who are you really? H- how are you, your character? Uh, who are you as a, as a person of character? Do you talk about people behind their back? Uh, do you work when the boss isn't watching or do you just kind of say, he's not around, I can do what I want? Um What do you look like, or what do you look at on your electronic devices when you're in a room by yourself and no one else is around to see what you're looking at? Uh, The way you treat people, do you treat them to get an advantage for yourself? Do you like the people who offer you something and kind of put the others aside? Character asks this question, will we tell the truth even when when we might get in trouble or at least... The truth is not to our advantage. Do you still tell the truth? So the question is simply this. Will we lie when it comes to our advantage? Will we be honest? when? Will we be dishonest when we think it will gain us an advantage and no one will know we lied? Or will we tell the truth? Will we be honest no matter what? Now, I want to give you several reasons why we should always be truthful, and, and I want to go through these. I won't take real long today, but the first thing and most important reason that we have to be truthful, and in reality, nothing else matters but this. This alone is, is reason enough for us to, to be truthful. It's because as followers of Jesus Christ, our goal is to be exactly like Him. We want to take on Him and in His face and His ways, and, and Jesus, our goal There was no deceit found in him. No deceit found in Jesus. Peter was one of the original 12 disciples. We talk about Peter all the time. He's one of the original 12. He lived with Jesus. He spent his time with Jesus. He walked on this earth with Jesus. So Peter is an eyewitness to what Jesus did. Now, you know, sometimes we say, well, the Bible says, and I want to tell you today that that's not what I want to do because the Bible is there because of Jesus, not Jesus because of the Bible. And so I want to tell you that these are eyewitnesses. These are people who saw what Jesus was like. They met the man. They saw the man. They slept in the same area at times with him. They ate with him. They walked with him. They saw everything he did. He eyewitnessed him. And Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter, and he had this to say about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 22. He said this, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. That's what Peter said about his friend Jesus. That's a pretty good recommendation right there by someone who spent time with him. What would your friends say about you who spend all their time with you? Someone who's walked with you for five, ten years in this life and have been a part of your life, what would they say about you right now? That's a good question. Peter, who was with Jesus through thick and thin, This man who was with Jesus, when it might have seemed to be to his advantage to go ahead and tell the little lie, testifies that at no time did Jesus ever choose lying or deceiving someone as an option. He said, no, I won't do that. We know that Jesus faced Pilate. I mean, Jesus was in that room. Pilate was questioning him. Who are you? What's going on? All those things that could have happened. We know that he faced the Sanhedrin, and they were not looking to help him. They were very negative towards him, and he was he was in the middle of all that, and he faced the Sanhedrin. We we know that, that Jesus faced many different people, the Pharisees who came around trying to trip him up all the time. And it would have been easy to tell a little white lie just to get him off the trail, just to kind of back him away, but he never did that. Jesus never told a lie, never took the opportunity to get out of things because he was under pressure. Never once did Jesus choose deceit. There was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus tells us that he is the exact representation of his father God. I love that idea. In other words, if you saw Jesus, you knew who God was. They they exactly represented each other. In Titus uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, of faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life which god listen to this which god who does not lie promised before the beginning of time Do you get that god does not lie that was that was what paul said paul understood that he's given us a little theology he says god doesn't lie we know god god is truth he is righteous he's all truth the hebrews and the writer of the book of hebrews writes the same truth in hebrews 6 8 this writer says about god it is impossible for God to lie. So Jesus represents their exact representation of God. God doesn't lie. Jesus never doesn't lie. That's our goal, to be like Jesus. We, our, our goal is to have no deceit, no, no deceit in our mouth, just like it says here. We are co-heirs with Jesus. That's the goal of our lives. So, our truth, so truth is our goal. The second one is this. Satan is the father of lies. Let me Let me help you with this a little bit. Again, some theology in this. Anything that is of Satan, we want to avoid. John was also one of Jesus' guys. He walked with him and talked with him and and spent the uh, the three years with him. And all the time, probably his best friend was John. And one of the 12, like Peter, and he eyewitnessed everything. He's writing down everything he saw happen so we would know. And he wrote about a time when Jesus... was was talking to some Pharisees. and, And they were talking there and they were questioning Jesus on who the true children of God were. And they were claiming it was them because they were the physical descendants of Abraham. And you can read about this in John chapter 8, verse 42 through 45. And Jesus said this to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God. And now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me my father, God, he sent me And why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. And then Jesus says something so hard to them in verse 44 You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Satan's a liar. There's no truth in him. He was speaking to the fact that the Jews, especially the Pharisees, wanted Jesus dead even if they had to kill him. And then Jesus went on to say, when he, Satan, lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Those are Jesus' words. John writes them down. They're pretty clear. That lying comes from Satan himself. That it is Satan's native language. And so when we're lying, we're speaking Satan. We're speaking the language of Satan when we lie. And Jesus is making it clear that when we lie, that 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 we're agreeing with Satan, we're getting into agreement with Satan on things. So go clear back to the Garden of Eden now, move way back to the very beginning of the Bible and ask this question, how did Satan get uh, to eat the fruit? I mean, there was this tree and God had said, don't eat of this tree you can have all the others. But this tree, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil don't eat from this fruit. And and how is it that she finally came to eat of it? And the answer is, is that Satan came along and lied to her. He told her that it would be okay. He told her that God wasn't telling her the truth. He deceived her. He convinced her that there was no such thing as death. And so she ate and she died. See, when we lie, we deceive someone, we're speaking Satan's language. And as Christ followers, we're not acting or being Christ-like in any way when we choose to speak the language of deceit. The third thing is this, before we had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, deceit and lying was who we were by nature. Did you realize that? That by nature, before you knew Jesus, that you were a child of Satan, that you were a person who would speak the language of Satan as a native language. That's who you were. It's inside of each one of us to deceive and to have our own way and to take what we want. Romans chapter 3 says this in verse 9. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are like under sin. As it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They all together have become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. So all of humanity is born broken fallen and damaged and as a fallen creature it's it's absolutely natural for us to speak deceitfully to gain advantage for ourselves but since we've met jesus all that's changed we're no longer the same people see our salvation is not just a fire insurance ticket that's been punched so that i get to go to heaven God intended to change your character. He intended to change who you are completely. Since you met Jesus, your nature's been changed. Salvation has changed you. You are encountered by Christ, and we accept Him as our forgiver and our Savior. And there's a whole change of who we are on the inside. We're no longer unrighteous. Bible says we become righteous. The righteousness of god we become like him we've been made righteous by the blood of jesus we've been given his nature in other words we've been given his character i have now the character of christ living in me and paul lays it all out for us so well in ephesians when paul wrote like this and paul would know paul had experienced that paul had lived by uh, his own sinful nature killing others for his own advantage trying to destroy those who called themselves by the name of christian And Paul lays it out for us now. He said, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. That's the picture of a man naturally before an encounter with Jesus. He's lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you had heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its sinful desires. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In other words, quit lying and deceiving others because lying and deception is just proof that you're living for yourself. You lie because you're selfish. You want your way no matter what it costs and no matter what it takes. Lying is a sin and to Uh, get and to be free of it, it has to be repented of and you have to make it right you have to quit living for yourself and the fourth reason that we need to quit is our lies and our deceit always trap us you ever been trapped by something you said something you wish you hadn't said a time when you maybe told something that wasn't fully the truth truth is is that every relationship you have with others is built on one thing and that's mutual trust marriage kids work and friendship even recreational uh friendships relationships are built on mutual trust there's nothing worse i have found in this world than someone who cheats at golf that just ticks me off i'm counting his strokes and he comes up and says man i had a four and i know he had a seven you know i counted them dude you know and you know what i'm serious at that point i'm going you know i'm not playing with this guy anymore unless i'm on the golf trip and i have to because jim assigned me but i mean i really don't want to I mean, that's just how you feel. I, I want someone who plays and that's honest and tells me the truth. I want to tell the truth. I, count, I always tell everybody, I, I'm going to tell you the truth on my golf score because I'm not going to hell for a, for a par. I'm just not going to do it, you know? I mean, I'm just not. That, that didn't seem to make sense to me. But it's true. Lying to anyone will quickly erode the natural trust we have when we begin relationships with each other. See, I think most of the time we give each other the benefit of the doubt when we start. I meet Jason over here, and the first thing I think is is I can trust Jason. I don't think, man, I think Jason's a liar and I'm not going to listen to anything he says. Because I don't know Jason, so I'm going to give him the, the mutual uh, uh, trust back and forth that, that he's a good person and that he, he, he's somebody I can trust. Lying or being deceitful is much more than not just telling the truth. It can be seemingly, it seems to me that it can be as innocent as saying something like this. I'll be there at 5 and showing up at 5.15 consistently. I know I'm in trouble. Because that takes a lot of folks off. But you know what? Sunday school starts at 9. Not 9.15. And when you say you're going to be there at 9, you need to be there at 9. Because you're cutting into Jesus' time at that point. Just throwing it out there. You can get mad at me later. Fire me. I know I'm old. I can go retire or something like that. You know what? Lying or deceitfulness can be as small as just about anything. Any white lie that you tell. Anything that's not 100% truth. Reporting a fake number. Acting like you didn't do something when you just did it. You ever been around somebody like that? I didn't do that. Kids do that, and I go, you need to quit that because you know what? You're going to have no character when you grow up. When adults do that, I go, you didn't get told no as a kid. But you needed to. When we practice to deceive, we cause the others in the relationship not to trust us anymore. If I go hang out with Jason and I find out that he isn't truthful, and I've never found that out. He's always been truthful with me. But if I did that, and I found that it wasn't truthful, it would break the relationship between us. It would be very difficult to hang out. Because when trust is broken, it takes an incredibly long time to rebuild, even to the level of trust we had when we first started. One day I was at some people's house who attended our church, and we were eating supper together. And, and while we were sitting there in their dining room eating, uh, the phone rang. And when the phone rang, the Little girl that was their little girl, their oldest little girl, she's probably about 11 years old at the time, jumped up and ran and answered the phone for them. And she comes back in a few minutes, she goes, Mom, phone's for you, it's so-and-so. And mom says, oh, I don't want to talk to her. Tell her I'm not here. And so the little girl goes back and tells the person she's not here and hangs up. We went on with the conversation. See, the problem is, is that was deceitful. She practiced deceit, she practiced lying. Some would say it wasn't a real big deal. I mean, after all, the person on the phone didn't know and it wasn't going to hurt anything, just a little white lie, no harm, no foul. But I think what she did was she asked her daughter to lie for her. Her little 11-year-old daughter, who was very impressionable at the time, suddenly learned that, you know what, it's okay to tell a lie. What she effectively did was she taught her daughter that it was okay. And not only did she teach her to lie and that it was okay to lie, she also broke trust with her daughter because at that point, she's telling her daughter you know you can't really trust me because next time you call home and want me and dad says i'm not here i might be here i just don't want to talk to you amen yeah no big deal in reality the person could have been told she's just busy and she'll call you back as soon as possible but because it was an act of deceit it gave birth to more lies because lies always birth with more lies And now she was trapped by her lie. And it's no accident that soon after that that happened, that relationship began to change. And that little girl began to have problems with lying. And her mom says, I just don't understand why Michelle always lies to me. See, it's no accident that relationships that start off as affairs, especially between two married people, never work out because both sides know they really can't trust the other they'll cheat. I love the wisdom of the Proverbs. Proverbs fourteen twelve. it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I think I quoted that maybe even last week. There's a wisdom of the world that says it doesn't really matter if I tell a little white lie, that if it benefits me and doesn't hurt others, then it's not a big deal. But the truth is, is that lies and deceit are not innocent and they are alive. And they're living and they're breathing and they will kill and they will multiply and they will grow into more and more things. They lead to the death of relationships. They lead to the death of trust. And they lead to the death of friendships, freedom, and peace. Did you know that they have proven that lying has an addictive quality to it, much like gambling? That when you get by with a lie, it gives you a little rush. You got by with it, And so the next time, you got to tell a little bigger lie and I get by with it, and I get that same rush. It becomes the way out of tough situations. It becomes the way that seems right to a man, but lies are sticky little boogers. Can't get them off. And they quickly build a maze around us. You ever notice that? Lies build a maze. And you're trying to negotiate that maze and you're walking down here and trying to avoid that over there and then I got to tell another lie and I got to tell another lie and I got to tell another lie. And it builds this maze around us that none of us can ever work our way out of. And our character is quickly diminished and destroyed. No one trusts you. It's absolute fact you cannot love someone and lie to them. If you lie to your spouse, you don't love them. It's fact. Your lie is self-centered, and not other-centered. To love someone means to care about them, put them first. Jesus loved us by going to the cross. He didn't say He would go to the cross and then not go and deceive us. He promised, kept His word. Absolutely kept His word. He had one thing on His mind when He went to the cross, the will of His Father and His love for us. And when we lie, we have one thing on our mind. How can I make this work for me? How can I get out of trouble? And we don't care if it hurts others. There's more to deceit than just telling a lie. One of the biggest and worst lies we tell is this. We say we're Christ followers and then we live otherwise. See, it's a lie when we walk in here to church and sing the songs and act like we're Jesus people and then go out there and yell and scream about not getting my way, throw a fit because someone did something to me. Say I'm going to kill somebody because they took something that belongs to me. Saying that, you know, uh, acting like we do sometimes when, when the traffic is bad or whatever. I wonder how many people have been turned off to Christ in the church because of our hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is lying. How many people have become entangled in their own hypocrisy and I cannot bear to tell the truth and expose themselves for the person they really are. It's really hard to tell the truth after you've lied. It's embarrassing. I know. Y'all know the story of Pinocchio. The little wooden boy who lied. Every time he lied, his nose got bigger. I really wish that was true in life. You know, People would be walking around with this big old honking nose, going, How do I get this off of here? You know, Uh, you know, it, it would be hilarious. We'd know who was the liar, we'd avoid him, you know, it'd be so much easier, but that's not how it works in life. But but we all know that story. He lied and lied until finally his lies led him to be captured and imprisoned by his own words. Not much different, really. We're all like that. See, Jesus knows our words are dangerous and significant. And he knows our words can be used to hurt and deceive others. And he he knows that our heart, if left unregenerated, will move more and more towards selfishness and the demanding of our own way. You know, some of us think that's just getting old. That's not just getting old. That's cause sin still reigns in our life. It's got to be dealt with. But Jesus had a plan. And here's the good news today, and I want to share this with you real quickly. He went to the cross, he died for you and me, not so we could perform better. I just want you to know right now, Jesus isn't watching you going, He ain't performing very well, so he's out. I'm thankful for that today because I don't always do everything the right way. But he died on a cross for you and me so that we could be forgiven and given a new heart, made righteous, so that we could be made brand new in the attitudes of our heart. So Some of you here today may be like old Pinocchio and you're all caught up in a web of deceit that you have made, maybe at home, maybe at work, maybe in church, maybe in your friendships or whatever it may be, and you have no idea, how do I untangle the web that I'm living in? And you have no idea really what is truth. You know, there are people who have lied so long they can't for the life of them know what the truth is. And you're struggling and you're being held captive and you're hanging on for all you're worth, but but you're feeling the chains wrapping around you every day. And here's what Jesus says to that. And I want you to hear me clear. He said, confess your sins one to another. See, it's not enough to get on your knees down here and say, I'm sorry, Lord, sorry, I won't do that again. That isn't going to solve anything. But there really needs to be a time and there really needs to be a place for all of us where we sit down with someone and say, I got to tell you who I really am. I got to be honest. I got to get real about some things. I need to tell you the truth. There may be some marriages here today where we just need to say, I need to tell you the truth, hon. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Do it in a restaurant where she can't yell at you. It works better. Just, just throwing that out there. Make it a nice restaurant it should cost you a little something i need to repent of my deception i need you to forgive me so that jesus can forgive me i need to do this it's not enough just to come down here and say i'm sorry not even enough to go to her and say i'm sorry or him and say i'm sorry there needs to be repentance it's tough work i need to repent of my deception I need you to forgive me, Jesus. I need you to forgive me, wife. I need to change who I am. I need to stop what I'm doing. I need to clear the slate so that there's no more lies. So that I can tell the truth. So that we can have the relationship we're supposed to have. Maybe there's some parents here today. You need to go to your kids and start over and come clean. Because you've told them one thing and you've acted out another. There is nothing worse than having parents who tell you that you aren't supposed to act like this, that we're church people and we do this and we do this, and then you see them living opposite of that. And that happens. Maybe your kids aren't in church today because, you know, they saw the hypocrisy. And Right now what needs to happen is you need to go to them and apologize, and you need to repent to them, and you need to repent to Jesus, and you need to get things cleared, and you need to start over with those kids. It's worth it. I haven't always lived out every bit of what I'm preaching today, and I have really worked on it because I want to change. I don't want to be that person. I've I've had to go to people. I've had to say I'm sorry. I've had to repent. I've had to take that. It's a bitter pill, but it's worth it. There may be some here who who just need to be honest with yourself. You need to admit you're all tangled up in deceit. You just need to come clean with yourself because there's a lot of us here who are simply living in this deceit, and we're walking around right now, And it's us. We are lying to ourselves so much that we don't know the truth. There's got to be a coming clean with ourselves. It's worth it to get out of the trap. Oh, it's embarrassing. There's nothing worse than when you've messed up and you know it, and you're even caught, and the the temptation is to tell another lie, but you go, no, I'm not going to do that. And you come clean, and you tell the truth, and you repent, and you turn away from that, and you make it right, and there's a new wind, a new fresh air in the room. It's difficult, but it's real. It's honest. And you need a chance to start over. And that's the good news. Jesus Christ never says, well, you lied to me once. You're never going to do that again. He loves us. He loves us and he accepts us for who we are. And you got to do this in humility. Humility. Because if you go in there like you've got it all figured out, then you don't have it all figured out. Because true repentance, true change has to happen with humble, honest, repentive hearts. We bow before Jesus. We go before a friend and a wife and a husband and say, forgive me. We turn from our lies and deceit. We let God forgive. He renews our heart and mind. We're a new creation. So my question is this today as we finish up. Are you ready to get out of the trap? Are you ready to get out of the trap? Band's coming up here. Let them come. I'm not talking to, I want to talk to you about this. As they come up, are you ready to get out of the trap? Honest confession, honest repentance has to happen. Saying I'm sorry won't fix it. Say I'm going to change, won't fix it. Even going out and trying to do better, even if you succeed in doing better about some things, won't fix it. There's only one thing that's going to fix that, and that's getting real before God, getting real before others, getting on our knees. You know what? I have a feeling that most of the marriages in our church that are struggling could be fixed in an honest moment where the truth was told. And repentance happened. And love was shown. I have a feeling that most of the kids who run from the church would probably be ready to maybe give it another chance if some parents got on their knees and said, I messed up. It's my fault. I screwed up. I told you one thing and I lived another. We told you not to do certain things, but you know, we weren't we weren't fair, we weren't honest, we we were just telling you that it was all a show. I have a feeling. It could be a lot of healing. We need to go back to the mess. We've got to confess. We have to repent. And here's the last part of it, and it's so important, you have to give it to Jesus. Because even if you go to your spouse and you repent and you confess and you repent. It's not going to be right until Jesus is in the middle of it to bring the healing. You need that. I need that today. That's what we need. And when we do that, then and only then will we finally experience freedom, real freedom, the freedom that God intends for you right now. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and then the band's going to play. We're going to worship. And if you want to pray, the altars are open. If you don't, that's fine. I'm not here to count. I don't ever take counts at the altar. That's that's between you and the Lord. I'm just thankful that, uh, that he's here. There's a place to repent. There's a place to pray right now. If you need to pray and ask God to help you to get started on this, the altars are open. We'd love to have you come. If you need somebody to pray with you, uh, I'm here. There's others that can pray with you. and We'll pray with you today. But I just want you to know right now that there's only one way out of it. Get on our knees. We've got to confess it. Talk to each other. Turn it over to Jesus. Everything sets us free. And man, there is nothing better. There's nothing better than absolute freedom, right? When you've told the truth and it's all out there and there's nothing that's between you, you don't have to tiptoe around anything. You just say, thank you, Lord. You are good. It's a wonderful day. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you for this truth. And as hard as it might be and as difficult as it is to say sometimes, and and Lord, even to live out sometimes, we know it's the way that you lived. And so, Lord, that's what we want. So, Lord, we're praying right now. Forgive us, Lord, if we have things in our lives that, that we have messed up right now, Lord. Show it to us. Make us aware of it so that we can confess it to each other. And, Lord, that we can repent and we can turn away from it and we can give it to you and we can be free. That's our goal, Lord, right now is absolute freedom. Lord, if there's anyone here today <laughs> that you're speaking to their heart and they need to pray, Lord, give them the courage to step out here and to pray. Lord, give them the courage to do the things that need to be done in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.